the number of they say to be an expert in something takes 10,000 hours. Right. But if you go to mass every week, even if you go to mass every weekend of your life and you know, on some of those holy days of obligation, you might get 60 hours of mass in a year. Mm-hmm. Like if you mm-hmm. don't if you don't do any extras or daily mass or something, you might get right. 60. But like that's that would mean it would take you 166 years to take to to become an expert on that like yeah yeah, i did that i did that welcome to the podcast for catholic education and catholics seeking education this is going forth episode two sacraments students and virtue Welcome back to the show, everyone. Michael, it's really great to hear from you. Anthony, nice to hear you again. Um, <laughs> it's been a little while. I got busy these past few weeks. Yeah, I've been I've been itching to get back to recording. Uh, um, well, today we were hoping to talk about um, the sacramental life in education, um, and particularly in our own Catholic school environments. But hopefully, this is relevant for others who are not in Catholic. Catholic schools or at the university level, um, hopefully you can find something of value in what we have to say here. Before we get started with that, though, we did ha- want to highlight maybe a few articles or pieces of the news that stood out to us this week. And Anthony, you had you had a story about a school that's closing, I think. Yeah. So St. Gregory's University in Oklahoma is one of the, I think it's the only Catholic university in Oklahoma. There was an article recently about its uh, shutting down. Um, they're it looks like they weren't able to get a loan from um, some department of the government that would have helped them. Um, it's like twelve million dollars that they're short. So it was it, it you know hit me right in the heart, right in the gut, and I was I, I felt I felt for them. So I I I'll put a link to that in the description so our, our listeners can uh, see for themselves. But uh, just to pray for them, I think that's important to keep our minds uh, focused towards them for a little bit, just as the faculty, the students, uh, all the families, they kind of, you know, recover from this fallout um, of the school shutting down. So Yeah, and I'm I'm from the Midwest, from St. Louis, Missouri myself. I've I've never heard of Saint Gregory's personally, but um I'm glad you mentioned that the the story just because I think um it's easy to be sucked into this world where all we think of are the Stanford's and the the mm-hmm. univer- the University of Arizona's and Ohio States that have thousands upon thousands but um the closing of any institution educational institution certainly a catholic one i think would affect you know people's lives people's um identity and conception of themselves and ability to um live out their faith in one way or another so i think that's worth right no and i think this school if i'm looking at the right information it looks like it was founded in the late yeah, 1875. So oh. it's a pretty old university, older yeah. than the university I attended. So it's got a legacy. Oh. Tough. Yeah, and you had one to share, though, too, as well? Yeah, I was. I, I frequently looked through the New York Times, and there was an article I read just a few days ago called How Silicon Valley Plans to, um, Plans to Conquer the Classroom. And it was all about how different tech companies are luring superintendents 
into different associations or with with some you know monetary perks to get superintendents to consider um, adding different technologies into the classroom or purchasing them for their classrooms and the article seemed to suggest this was sort of a nefarious arrangement sort of like doctors that um, take meetings with prescription drug companies that mm-hmm. these doctors become more likely to prescribe this particular type of drug um, regardless of the, the medical benefits and um, I think that's an interesting sort of take personally I, mm-hmm. I grew up with or I went to high school with one-to-one computers and found that they were often distracting but also know that's sort of um, the world that we live in the te- the economy that we exist in does rely mm-hmm. on them and I certainly have skills on the computer and I'm making a podcast you know this is something <laughs> this is something I may not have cared much about had I not had that um, and certainly technology is just a bigger part of all of our lives in 2017 than it than it was years ago nonetheless um, I see these sorts of articles in the news a lot and when I say these sorts of articles I'm referring to articles that that kind of um, beg the question of how technology should be put into the classroom or or what it's um, all the benefits that it offers and as a Catholic educator um, I I don't deny at all the the value that much technology has in student learning but um, I'm also maybe a little wary of of this hyper focus on technology as sort of a a savior for um, education that it's going to bring equity into the classroom that it's going to help raise test scores and Mm -hmm. improve learning Mm -hmm. and excite students and i i'm I'm just skeptical of of the tone that is often implicit in some some sort of discussions about technology in the classroom and so um, with that kind of one of the that kind of connects to to why I wanted to talk about the sacramental life because I often say if our educational system focused on cultivating virtue half as much as we we talked about the role and value of technology within the classroom I think mm-hmm. we'd be forming better um, students better people, better citizens. Um, right. And I certainly believe that for Catholics, that virtue is cultivated through through the sacraments, through that kind of repetitive motion of this of doing the sacraments. Right. You yeah, you hit it on the on the head. And before we get into the sacraments, I I did want to share I guess one other small note of information. Bishop Barron had posted something on the internet, which is kind of funny. It's ironic of what you're saying. Uh, he posted it to Facebook, and he was actually visiting Facebook. And it was somewhat of a, uh, it was a powerful little, I don't know, 45-minute speech where he gave some really good tips for everybody that is on the internet or using the internet um, to debate things. So while the technology might be powerful and it allows us greater communication, um, some people are using it to not cultivate virtue and, and a great way to do it. No, uh, the internet, you're going no, no, <laughs> there's no you trolls. Trolls, <laughs> trolls don't exist. <laughs> <laughs> they just live under bridges. But <laughs> the five points he brings up are really, um, actually 
they're tenets of the Catholic faith that he disguises as little tips. And I suggest t- taking a, a listen or uh, watching the video. Or you know, he has a podcast too. I'll, I'll uplink both of them, where he just outlines these great ways to get into religious arguments, but not to <laughs> not to cause like Facebook flame wars over them, where the threads are you know fifty, hundred, two hundred post long where everyone just gets angry i always hated those when i was on facebook i'm not anymore but <laughs> i think i think bishop Aaron does a good job and so i'll, I'll link that one for us yeah um, i would i would add on to that and say i like i listened to this pot to this video as a podcast actually i found it awesome and I would even say that Bishop Barron is one of the reasons that we're sitting here doing this podcast and, and hope mm-hmm. to continue doing this because his ministry um, through, what's it called again? Word, Word on, on Fire. fire. Word on Fire, mm-hmm. I think, is has been a source of kind of knowledge and wisdom for me personally um, in my own personal life and as an educator, mm-hmm. as a teacher. Mm-hmm. So I'm thankful yeah. for him. So I, I would highly Good. recommend his Word on Fire podcast. Agreed. I would as well. Right. Well, why don't we move on into our topic then for today, and, and let's get into discussing how virtue can be valued more through the sacraments, through the continual practice of the sacraments at our schools. Considering what you just said about the education and technology, it makes me wonder um, how sometimes schools think that technology is somehow going to be this fix-all for their students. It's going to improve uh, enrollment and improve uh, student morale and all those things. But I think it's good that we're talking today about the sacraments um, as episode two because it, it really sets the stage for what our, the focus of our podcast is. Um, God's grace is more important than the next flashy iPhone or iPad or uh, Apple TV or whatever it might be in the classroom, you know? And I thought that was kind of an interesting way and just... And I also I also wanted to think about it in the relationship to how we think of education because in education right now obviously there's a big push for um, the use of technology emphasis of having one to one devices and how are you going to integrate technology and how are you using technology and project based learning how can we use technology to measure this that and the other and I really think if we I think we would be forming better citizens, better people, better, more moral people, more devout people, more virtuous people, if we gave as much attention to cultivating virtue as we do to integrating technology in the classroom. And so that's, that's kind of, yeah. one of the points. Well, I wish I knew Aquinas by heart, but it might be wise to know what Aquinas's definition of virtue is, because I think it's what you're saying i think it's actually what most of society wants us to do with um sports it's what most of society wants us to do to prepare for jobs it is cultivating right action um for the right intention and um but they're not necessarily actions themselves they're dispositions they're like habits and and i think you're right there was actually um i think that as much as I teach morality, I talk about sin a lot because the textbook does cover a lot of sin and it, it covers like freedom and all that stuff. I think the important thing is to talk about virtue. If we're going to overcome sin, what virtue, what's the positive, what's the positive uh, goal, you know, the, the something we can reach for and po- positive virtues, they're things that I think everyone, when they hear them, they most, mostly agree to everything that the Catholic church teaches of our virtues. Um, yeah. You know, 
And, yeah, uh, I think I think the way you phrase it is right. That that the things the Catholic Church upholds as being good are things that most people, I think, in their moments of honesty and vulnerability, and when they're pulled outside of these kind of polemical political debates, see them as good themselves. Right. The mm-hmm. one, the maybe one that I'm thinking of that people might not feel that way is like chastity or celibacy, you know, celibate, celibacy before right. marriage. Um, but nonetheless, you know, humility, honesty, integrity, prudence. Yeah. No, you, well, actually, I think, I think people, I, I it's tough. Like it, it's split. I, can't, I don't want to speak for the entirety of modernity, but I think there's still a desire for somewhat keeping chastity not cha- yeah keeping chastity in the hearts of people i think pe- people don't want it necessarily like in this in the bedroom but people are still very big on i guess like a quote i don't even know if you call it like a chaste heart like if you're going to be in love like i think still people will still desire like to not be uh in love with multiple partners you know i mean yeah. there's there's this idea that people still want to like have multiple sexual partners but I mean, you see all these movies. Like, what was that movie that came out a few years back with Justin Timberlake and uh, I forget? Mila Kunis. Yeah. yeah, it's like a hookup culture, but yet the whole point of the movie I think was it might have been they, called they were... the hookup. Yeah, <laughs> but the whole point of the movie is they fall in love. Like, it's a romantic comedy that, like, kind of supports what we're trying to say here. That chastity, that virtue, um, is. I think I still think it's. I think people still want it, but it's not as. It's it's kind of underneath it all. It's a natural desire to not be cast aside, you know, to not be like Catherine of Aragon, who's just thirty years no kids. Sorry, see you later, girl. Like you know, yeah, that's the bummer. Um, what? Well, so, do you want to talk about sacraments, or do you want to talk about virtues? Because I'm okay with either one. Um, well, I was I was like going to talk about sacraments as a way to like say, if ha- if virtues are habits, then through the practice of the sacraments you obtain habits right and one of the habits i'm think like that come to my mind having gone to confession and mass this week myself is like that habit of like slowing down and seeking god in prayer and vulnerability and right yeah i don't you know social media does not lend itself to prayer and to right. prayer to a prayerful mind or to being vulnerable yourself, I I don't think I think it, it's, and like, it's usually it's usually like it like it almost puts a shell around you when you mm-hmm. when you read social media even if it even if it's something about something we're worried about like the Catholic Church we still like engulf ourselves in this almost uh, defensive mech defense mechanism to uh, all the things that are going on in our world and we and we we kind of cower into ourselves and become. Uh, I I do this. I don't know when I when I do Reddit and stuff like that and Instagram, it becomes less. Uh, I I'm less charitable. You know. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I'm less charitable to other people. I see people not as like human beings in the way that Christ probably wants us to see them. Absolutely. Um, and I'd yeah. say I'd say there's places in the classroom for some honesty, vulnerability, sharing, reflection, prayer. Yeah. Um, certainly at a Catholic school, but there's still limits to that because, you know, do you, whether you're a teenager in high school or middle school or, mm-hmm. you know, in college even, there's still some sort of social barriers, some unspoken realms that you don't want to go into, that you can go into in the silence of your own heart in prayer 
or in the confessional or um, in in those in the ways that the commun like communion the act of coming together for Christ in the in the Eucharist I think brings about in like an unspoken like kind of you can't grasp it with words type of way right um i just bought this book on amazon do you, do you have amazon prime yeah it's called so it's 99 cents on amazon prime and i you do you have can you see my screen or can you mm-hmm. see me i have the kindle app and it downloaded immediately to my kindle the book is called um oh why can't i get it right now um it was mentioned by Bishop Barron, so I looked into it from different resources, and I found that pretty much everybody is on board with this book, like as a liturgical book to read. And it's really short. It says if I read it, if I read at the pace I normally read, it, it'd be about an hour and a half. It's called The Spirit of the Liturgy, by um, crap. His name is Romano Gardini, um, and he goes into uh, how the the one of so his his contents are. Prayer, fellowship, style, symbolism, and then the fifth chapter is playfulness of the liturgy. And I like that idea because uh, the way Bishop Barron describes it is the thing we do for itself is not work because work is something, you know, we do for something else. We, this is an activity like I'm driving my car to get to the place where I have to go. I'm, I'm doing this job because I need to make my my lawn look good like you know i I do the dishes so my wife won't get mad (laughs) or whatever it might be but he says playfulness and and play is that thing we do for itself and i think um the sacraments they start out as work they they are hard habits that we need to you know do ten thousand times or whatever but as we do them they they do become more like play and and i've noticed more my when i go to confession the more i go there I see it less as like strenuous on my soul and more like I feel happy or I feel mm-hmm. light leaving it, you know, kind of like after you leave the gym, like after having a good game of basketball or like when I go to the Eucharist, when I go to mass, like the more I've gone since high school, the more I continue to let, I, I don't know. I feel like pumped up leaving sometimes, you know? Yeah. And Even I, if, I think I'd go back. Like I'd like to focus on the, the uh, confession one because I definitely yeah. agree. I think, for many of my students, like high school students, and just many people in general, because confession isn't isn't as regular of a sacrament that they participate in, I think do treat it as something kind of scary or a uh, time of judgment. But but like mm-hmm. you said, I think that's true for me too. That when the more I've made it a habit, and it, I've been trying to make it a habit more, um, my wife and I started trying to go monthly and during our wedding prep and now that it's offered weekly at my school I'm I'm trying to make that a priority and the more I do it I come away with a it's it's not a, a something I I fear in my weekly schedule it's like mm-hmm. this is a moment of grace um, opportunity to grow to understand myself to kind of step back for a second and see where I've fallen short in the past week or month or whatever it is and yeah and and helping kids get to that point too is tough like i think at a young age the reason probably you and i most went to confession was because we were told to but i also went multiple times because like 
my parents told me like we know what you did and <laughs> you need to get this off of your conscience because you don't want you know they were like my parents were they were very loving but that sometimes they were honest so like you don't want to get in a car crash with that on yourself I'm like yeah you know you don't. and i and i still have people tell me that like my my department chair he's we're always chatting and he's like man i always get into that 5 ton death machine every day and i just Gotta make sure I am I'm ready. I'm like, well, that's true. I guess you know. Like, we we talk about it kind of jokingly, but I think it, it, I think Aquinas wants us to uh, any saint and even Christ wants us to be like uh, realistically honest about our soul, and that the confession is a is a practice that is like kind of getting us in shape every single time we go to remember. Hey, like when you commit mortal sins, be aware, like a radar, like a spidey sense, like be aware that you should come back as soon as you can, because it's not something to just kind of walk around with. It, it does, it does keep a guilt on me. I, I don't, like, I feel less, um, I don't, less genuine. You know what I mean? Like if I'm hiding this from people, like, especially if I hide it from my wife or if I hide it from other, like from my friends, I feel less genuine. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of the society wants us to be authentic. Like when I talked about the saints recently i talked about thomas more and my question to the students was which person do you think is more authentic whether it doesn't matter if you agree with the law about divorce etc which of these men you know richard you know richard or thomas more or what's his name the other guy i forget uh, the big the big one uh, the king. i forget the king well, i know the king well the king's kind of like kind of authentic he's just like really angry all the time the other guy uh his right hand man uh Cromwell. who Cromwell, yeah, yeah. I said, which one's more authentic? History and they were all able to here. point. What history credential right here? <laughs> that, yeah, there you go. I, I just know plays and like I can watch movies. I still, I still don't know their names. Um, but the, yeah, I think that's people want to be authentic. Like when I'm with the students, they don't say that word. They just say, let's be real. You know, like real talk or whatever. I've, I've heard that. Yeah. Or you know, and that they do. They want to be real. They don't. They'd rather not be fake. And I think that that's a that's a virtue. Um, being authentic is a virtue that uh, the world still sticks to. The world doesn't want us to, to lie about ourselves. And you can see that in many, many of the pushes for many things. And I think if the, I don't know, if we if we kind of phrased confession around that, if we phrased um, the Eucharist and like all these great sacraments that we participate in about being authentic to our, our God, like that might, I don't know, it might change something the way they look at it. Yeah, and I so. actually teaching at all an all boys school and coming from an all boys background myself from high school. Um, I like the word that you mentioned that the sacraments are like practice because I I yeah. do think that's accurate. You can and you know obviously speaking to women as well that that applies that um, something that you genuinely aspire towards you have to work at and you recognize that that first game of the season is not going to be the best form that your team's going to be in or the first time you work out you're going to wake up and be sore the next day but um you know you practice to improve and you you build muscle you build skill set and and those those that is certainly an appropriate analogy for the sacraments because i don't know i i think confession is one of the best ones for me where i think the con like those reminders that I'm, I'm not this, you know, some less like perfect figure that I think sometimes we, we get in the habit of thinking that we are as humans, um, or we cultivate this self image on, on social media or with friends, we have this image, mm-hmm. uh, the, the reminder that we're, we're broken, that we, 
uh, make mistakes. Um, I think seeps out of the confessional and very much makes its way into my own manner of relating to my wife or to friends or coworkers mm. in in this acknowledgement, this willingness to acknowledge my own faults and say like, yeah, I messed up here or there, you know, mm-hmm. whether it's, mm-hmm. whether it's a sin that I mess up on, or it's just like, Oh, I, I totally forgot to send that email or I can't, I missed right. that meeting. Cause I just right. wasn't thinking. I think those, those moments of, um, you know, acknowledging my, my own faults, uh, come easier <laughs> like- because I've, I've admi- admitted maybe bigger things, um, in the confessional. Right. Well, and, uh, <laughs> The uh, I don't know. Maybe we make the analogy of uh, the Eucharist is uh, you know you, is your cardio. You do it, you should do it every day as much as you can, and and then your your confession is, or your reconciliation. That's your leg day, and that day is gonna hurt probably more than most. I, I like. Can I quote something from Tolkien? I, maybe you maybe I've shared this with you personally, but I've never read it to you. Uh, I I taught this to my students recently, especially on. Um, on Reformation Day, just to consider the sacrament, why Catholics are really big on the sacrament. I, so it was, uh, he says, he's talking to his son. He says, out of the darkness of my life, so much frustrated, I put before you the one great thing to love on the earth, the blessed sacrament. There you will find romance, glory, honor, fidelity, and the true way of all your loves on earth. And more than that, death. He says, the only cure for sagging or fainting faith is communion. Though always itself perfect, complete, and inviolate, the sacrament does not operate completely and once for all in any of us. I like that. Because it's like, it, it's, uh, I, I, I think I, I turn to the Eucharist more than confession, though I think confession is my, you know, I always need to go to it in order to go to the, the Eucharist. But I love, I love the Eucharist because I'm, I, I think I told you this, when I was in high school, that was probably the moment um, when I, when I just, it pre, I got it. Like, I don't know, something clicked. I told you, I think I've told you about this moment when I was, I was given the chance to be an EM, a Eucharistic minister and giving it to my buddy and just like, like breaking down like a 16 year old boy, like, you know, giving like bah, the body of Christ. Like I'm saying it like normally, but then my buddy comes up and I'm blubbering like the body of Christ, like, like crying because I, I was getting it. Like some, I don't know, something like I started crying and I, um, and I was smiling at the same time. It was because I was giving somebody like the 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 best thing, like nothing else mm-hmm. could compare. You know, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. And I, I yeah. I think there's I think in moments of spiritual clarity or when I felt like there's this profound sort of more than just clarity, more than just understanding, but this like this intimacy moment of intimacy with God, I think the emotions have a way of converging, like mm-hmm. like you just described. Um, your, your thought and your emotions come together. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever were you an altar server at any, at any point or? Yeah, I was an altar server until I was kneeling during the Eucharistic prayer one day. Got lightheaded, <laughs> kneeled down, and before I knew it, so I felt some lady tap me on the back and brought me back, so I could like you know what? get my bearings you, i took off out? i t- almost <laughs> took off the altar server what is the what are they the alb the alb the alb and uh never went back so that was, <laughs> that was the was last like time day two altar <laughs> no i probably did it 10 15 times it's just that time i don't know we've spoken a lot about the sacraments 
Why don't we talk about how the sacraments can foster virtue? I'm thinking if you're a college student at like University of Oklahoma, how does what we've said relate? Well, you might say, well, the sacramental, like there's, there, there are disciplines, spiritual disciplines that you don't get from the classroom. You don't mm-hmm. get from the technology that you absorb yourself in and allow yourself mm-hmm. to be absorbed in. Um, you, and increasingly, I just don't think our society makes room for it. You know, people don't go to libraries. People don't. Right. Well, and leisure the virtues reading are... isn't as common for pe- young people, I don't think. So right. find it in in religion, and not right. just find it as like some helpful thing that you know makes you a more well-rounded person prepared for the workforce. But like find right. it as in find God's presence through these disciplines. Right. The virtue is fostered for its own sake, um, which is it's 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 kind of like this is what it's meant to be human uh, you know being courageous and being courageous doesn't mean just doing like strong things or manly things right courageous means doing the things that are tough that might be difficult for us and oftentimes the most difficult thing for us is to look at our own self in the mirror and say hey i don't look so great today you know mm-hmm. you know what i mean and that's not the, the society doesn't always foster that um or prudence uh this is a good time to do something and this is not a good time to do something. You know, I have a bunch of free time on Sunday. I could sit here and watch more Stranger Things too, and, and more Netflix or maybe I could spend like an hour at Mass, you know. Mm-hmm. That's prudence and I think the church is teaching us, The church, Christ is training us in these sacraments that he gives us and the ones that are most frequented, obviously Confirmation and Eucharist, but the other ones as well and I think as high schoolers go through high school, the confirmation one, I think, is oftentimes kind of forced on people. When did you get confirmation? When you were like fifteen, eighth grade, 15, grade, eighth grade? For me in St. Louis. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying it's forced on everybody, but I think there's almost a rite of passage, kind of right. Like, it's a sometimes a cultural thing, and I think as high schoolers, they need to really. That's the that's the last sacrament of initiation. It's it's a quite powerful one that I think is almost downplayed because high school is very hectic and, um, you know, it, it's got its own challenges. But I think I, I, all these sacraments are training us to be more virtuous people and um, to fill us with God's grace. That's I mean that's what they are. They're mm-hmm. literally every time we engage them, it's God that we're in, engaging with, communing with, encountering. You know. Yeah. Yeah, so as we're uh, moving to the end of our podcast, I think it'd be wise to maybe sum up a few tips to integrate the sacraments into your life, whether it's a teacher, student, um, wherever you are in your faith life. I think the first one, um, you said it quite well, Mike. You said, um, why don't you take it away? What did I say? Silence? (laughs) I typed it down there. (laughs) Typed it right down there for you. It's like oh, halfway down really, the line. I was reading the type and I realized. It's okay. Oh yes. Oh. Um, take yeah. Take uh, take the quiet time seriously at mass, particularly in those moments before and after communion. Um, I know at for high schoolers, that time when music is playing, that is the moment not to pray that's that's when you catch up with the guy three rows behind you you know that's that is when the conversations flow and Mm -hmm. and it's not um teachers you know want to enforce kind of quiet time during you know prayerful time during that during those moments but but i don't think the enforcement 
the enforcement isn't done with the same sort of rigor um, that it might be when you hear a student talking during a test, right? It's it's done, um, I think, out of a much more like solemn commitment to cultivating this space, this inner mm-hmm. space for mm-hmm. a connection with God that um, that doesn't come in the same way that that connections with God come through interacting with people. So I think we need that silence, um, and it's woven into the mass, but we have to make sure we we kind of honor that silent time. So right. especially and, for students, high school students, or college students that are at, at mass with you know your friends, and it's a student mass, there's a lot of energy, that's still a moment for some profound silence. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you hit it. I think you're right about the silence. We, I, myself, I want silence more and more as I go to mass. Not legalistically, not because I'm like raising my fist and wagging my finger, but because I do appreciate the kind of the chance to be in, in a silent space. Mm-hmm. And it, how hard is it to find a silent space in our modern world? It's it's tough with everything we have. I, the second tip we've got to integrate the sacraments is to find a companion to join the sacraments with you. Um, whether you invite them or, or you know someone who goes already, but join in the sacraments with a companion. So go to mass with a friend um, on the weekend. If, you're, if your family's having a hard time going, go with a friend. Um, and if you're having a hard time going to confession, then yeah, invite somebody to go with you. Even if they don't want to go to the sacrament, they could definitely be your uh, companion just to walk with you. I think it's always good to have somebody there. I remember when I was in grad school, Michael made his commitment to go to confession during Lent. And whenever he went, it encouraged me to go. His courage encouraged me. And I liked that. So. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> um, and then the final, the final third tip we would have for integrating the sacraments into your life is, is I'd say recognize the immense power that you have um, to, to set the bar for sacramental involvement with your peers, if you're high school, college age, or, you know, teachers even. Um, but also if you're, if you're a child or, you know, the, the son or daughter of someone who doesn't go to mass frequently, your pestering of like, hey, can we go to, can we try to go to mass? Like this mm-hmm. weekend, like mm-hmm. you know, my teacher's been talking about this or whatever. Mm-hmm. That I think, I think that uh, parents hear that and they they say, "Wow, like that's yeah, that is uh, wow, it kind of put me to shame," you know, and <laughs> and that's not obviously the goal, but but the age does not at all um, have the power over over um, the meaning of the sacraments or the value of the sacraments. Right. And sometimes it's it's a little youthful innocence even that, that alerts adults like, hey, wow, we we're not doing this right, and we could right. we could be um, living life a little bit differently, or you know, practicing our faith a little bit more fully. And so, mm-hmm. uh, I would really encourage everyone to set that bar for themselves, for their own families, or friends, or peer group. Right, they, and kids do have immense power in this. In this, they they really can. Set their entire family on fire for the, for God. I think that's not trying to be cheesy with that, but that's true. Um, I have seen that um, firsthand through my own experience with family and whatnot. It's 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 pretty powerful. Well, Mike, 
it's uh, I think we're getting to I don't know probably like a thirty minute mark right now. So thanks everyone for listening and, and joining us again in our conversation on Catholic education. Would we like to say and with a little prayer some petitions? Yeah, that's that's good. Yeah, yeah. Let's have a, a moment to say some prayers of petition for people and and, and prayers of thanksgiving for those that have uh, affected us in our lives. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Uh, to begin, I, I'd like to offer my prayer for the families and the, and the faculty and the students uh, of St. Gregory's University in Oklahoma. Um, may God guide them in their path, wherever they might be led, and um, may continue to hold them in his loving embrace um, in the future. We pray to the Lord. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Lord, hear our prayer. For my colleagues that provide me with some energy, stability, and um, drive to continue on when things get frustrating or when I'm uncertain about X, Y, or Z at, at a new school that I'm still adjusting to, I've been very pleased to be in such a welcoming community. So in gratitude for all of them um, who have made it such a wonderful place to work in Catholic education, we pray to the Lord. Lord, Lord, hear our prayer. Hear our prayer. Great. And in order to end this prayer, why don't we say a short glory be to ask God that um, all that we do, especially this podcast and these prayers, um, all be honored for his glory. Glory be, glory to, be to the Father, Father and to the Son, and to the, Son, and to to the, the Holy, Holy Spirit, Spirit, as it as was in the beginning, beginning is now, is now and, and ever shall be, world, world without, end. without end. Amen. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, Mike, uh, I think we're coming to the end, and uh, thank you again. Uh, feel free, everyone, to join us in the discussion by contacting us through our email at goingforthpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for talking, Anthony. Uh, we'll see you, I don't know, next week, maybe. Yeah, definitely. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs>